0: Hey everyone, Richard and I planned on airing a different episode this week, but we decided to shift plans a little bit for a few reasons. One, I'll be straight with y'all. I'm very, very tired and things have been hectic with the kids and prepping for classes and getting caught up on things. And we've had a lot of hiccups in changing our podcast hosting platform that has uh, taken a bit of time this week. And two... Richard is actually visiting Minnesota this upcoming week, which will allow us to do some pretty interesting things with recording. So instead, and in honor of Spooktober, we're doing the time warp and revisiting two fan-favorite episodes we aired back-to-back over a year ago on one of the most misunderstood, unappreciated, and needlessly feared critters there is. Bats. So, what we're basically going to do it's just let them play. I'll chime in probably about midway through and check back in at the end. But first up, myth understood. Busting bat miz with former Minnesota Zoo naturalist, Liz Dengate. Belief. Belief is an interesting thing. Some of our beliefs are very close to our hearts, untouchable, unchangeable. Some of our beliefs are more flexible, changing if you have some kind of evidence or experience that can convince you otherwise. Belief can be harmless, and belief can be harmful. Belief can be truth, and it can be myth. This week, we're going off format in the first of an intermittent series we are calling Myth Understood. Like, misunderstood. Get it? Play on words? In which we explore commonly believed myths about... Different, misunderstood animals, and examine the truth behind the legends.
1: This week, we focus on an animal that has been victim of superstition and fear for thousands of years. Despite what many believe, these creatures are extremely important to our everyday lives. Dollar for dollar, they are worth more than Elon Musk. They hold secrets of aging, rejuvenate the rainforest, and they are the most essential ingredient of a margarita.
0: Stick around. I'm Devin. I'm Richard. And this is the Wildlife, a new podcast from the wildlife.blog.
1: And this week, we want you to forget what you believe. Before we begin, I want to paint a picture. Okay. I'll trust you to find some sound effects to fill in.
0: Okay. Uh what what is this? Be patient.
1: It's a summer evening and the sun is setting. The sky is alive with color. Silhouetted against the ambers and the blues, you see a bird flying spastically, like it is laughing really hard by maintaining its composure just enough to stay in flight.
0: Okay, I, I think I'm there with you. You
1: suspect that it's probably nabbing mosquitoes and other small bugs out of the sky. You walk by a street light outside and see a large moth swooping in and out of the light from the lampposts, But the truth is neither of these were what they seemed.
0: Oh man, I think I know what it is. It's me! And and who are you?
2: I'm a bat, and I just wanted to say I am so sick and tired of being misunderstood.
0: Well, that's what we are here for.
1: Yeah, we are hoping to help clean up your reputation.
2: Well, good, because for some reason, people are always screaming when I come around. It's always... Ah, a bat. Ah, it's trying to get me. Ah, it's got rabies. Ah, it's probably Dr. Oz.
1: Dr. Oz?
2: Yeah, because he looks like a vampire. Listen, I don't care about your nasty hair. I'm just trying to eat the insects. They're flying all around your nasty. Look, My cousin Vinny got hit with a broom the other day and while he was limping around, he got picked up by an animal control because some lady thought he was rabid.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry.
2: Why?
0: Because? Richard, shut up. I will explain
1: later.
2: Okay, well, I've got to take off. Catch you later.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. I think a good place to start is listing out some of the biggest myths.
0: Good idea. Um, Let's see. Um, All bats have rabies. Bats drink blood. Bats are blind. Bats are pests. Oh, and that bats are rodents. Wait, I thought they were rodents.
3: They are not rodents, actually. Who's
1: that?
0: That is the voice of Liz Dingate, a naturalist and coordinator of education programs at the Minnesota Zoo. I spoke with her a couple of days ago to help us bust some of these myths.
1: Devin, have you ever seen Atta Ruins Everything? Yes. Okay. Because I, I love the way he talks about stuff, and then like someone comes up, and it's like a specialist, and that's like what we just did.
0: Smooth.
1: So uh, why aren't bats considered rodents?
0: Bats are mammals, but they aren't rodents. They belong in their own order.
1: Order as in kingdom, phylum, class, order,
0: family, genus, species. Right, I always remember that by uh, King Philip couldn't find green socks.
3: Kings play chess on funny green squares.
1: No Popeye's chicken offers free gizzard strips.
0: No, but kangaroos punch children on family game shows. So what order do they belong in?
3: So bats are in an order called Chiroptera.
0: Chiroptera, which literally translates to hand wing.
3: And there's... About a thousand species or more in that order.
0: Which means that over a fifth of the world's 5,000-ish mammals are bats. Okay,
1: just bats?
0: Yes, just bats. Most of them live in the tropics, particularly on the northern side of South America. But bats range across the globe pretty much everywhere except for the really cold places like the Arctic, Antarctic, and Northern Europe and Asia.
1: Okay, so that though isn't so much a myth as just a misunderstanding or misclassification.
0: Right, but that misclassification helps to play into people's fears and disgust with bats as a whole, right? And that's kind of a problem with misunderstanding rodents too, when you think about it.
1: True, there's just something about bats, there's so many negative things associated with them.
0: Right, like when I say bats, what's probably one of the first things you think of? Rabies. Right. But even that is not true. Right, Liz?
3: It is not true. Um, yes, it's true that some bats might carry rabies, but it's extremely rare. Um, so I looked at the exact numbers, and according to the CDC, um, only 6% of the bats they've tested have rabies.
0: So according to the CDC, out of all the bats that get turned in, every single bat that is suspected of having rabies it ends up getting tested, and then that information has to be reported to the CDC. Only 6% of those bats actually have rabies.
3: Um, It is true that um, the most common way for humans to contract rabies is from a bat, but there's only about one case of rabies in humans every year in the entire United States.
0: It's actually somewhere around 1% in total of the whole bat population that is suspected could have rabies.
1: Everyone's running around cutting off bat heads for no reason.
0: Yes, which is exactly why I didn't want you to mention it to that bat earlier. To test for rabies, you have to check the brain, which means the animal has to be dead. So her cousin Vinny is no longer with us. Yeah.
3: And I should say, of course, if you ever get bit by any wild animal, you yeah. should seek some medical expertise. better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. But
0: Speaking of removing the head and rabies kind of brings us to vampires, naturally. There's even a thing called a vampire bat. But like when I was talking to Liz, she mentioned that vampire bats don't live here in America. Uh, We don't have those here. Uh, There's only three types of vampire bat. Yes, a vampire bat is a real thing. There are bats that do drink blood. Okay, However, I, I will add one more thing. So on the subject of vampire bats, there has been some research published lately that explains how, as a mammal, they're able to survive on a diet of complete, 100% blood. It's a little gross, but it's also incredibly interesting. And I had the opportunity to speak with the researcher behind that, and we'll be talking with her on our episode next week, so we won't get into too much of it right now. Are
1: bats really blind?
3: Uh, So I I think that, you know, the reason we have that saying, blind as a bat, is that it is true that a lot of bats have pretty poor vision. Um, So there are some species that can see as well as they're even better than people.
0: Especially when you pair that with the fact that they also have echolocation. Echolocation being making really high-pitched sounds. Those sound waves bounce back at you and it helps form a picture of your surroundings.
3: So not all bats can echolocate, but um, many of them can. So
0: if anything, they've got far superior vision to people. I don't know where the blind is a bat myth really came from. Is it because they fly around at night? Or because they look like they don't know where they're going when they fly?
1: Why do bats fly so erratically?
0: That's actually a really good question. I asked Liz, and she said...
3: It partially has to do with the fact that they're echolocating and making micro-corrections to maybe catch tiny little flying gnats and things that we don't even see. And then partially it has to do with the fact that they're able to make those um, quick abrupt micro-changes up or down or side to side much better than a bird can.
0: It all has to do with that hand wing. Remember, they're in the order chiroptera, which means hand wing. Have you ever looked at a a bat wing before? Yeah. And it's got, you can see, like, the bones that are the fingers, right? Just going all the way through the wing. And they have their, you know, their little, right, and they've got their little thumb sticking off the top. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it all has to do with that. See, a bird, one of the reasons it's able to fly is because their bones are really heavily fused not only that but they're they're hollow and other things but they're fused which means less joints almost less bone which makes them light and kind of streamlines them for being able to fly but for being able to fly in pretty much a straight line yeah they can do some loops and some quick maneuvers and things here and there but they've got really rigid skeletons compared to a bat a bat is a mammal, and it doesn't have all of those fused bones. It still has all of its joints and things like that, which means that when it's flying, it can make incredibly detailed course corrections.
1: Are bats at all aggressive?
3: No, um, there's there's really nothing to be afraid of as far as bats are concerned, unless you are a mosquito or a moth, and then you should be very afraid of it.
1: Why do you think that people are afraid of bats?
0: I don't know. I think movement. I don't know. I... That seems to be the source of freaking people out with a lot of different animals. The way they move, you know, think about a spider. Uh. Really, a spider. What's so creepy about a spider other than the way that it moves? Right. It's almost like a when you see someone walking through a strobe light, like that kind of movement, it's really uncomfortable. I don't. I don't think that the way bats move is the sole reason that people are afraid of them. It's probably. I they live in caves dark places they make high-pitched sounds they fly in really big groups people think they have rabies i don't know what do you think
1: i think a lot of it is the rabies because uh, people know how uh, people know how bad that disease can be and how much it sucks to get a shot for it yeah a lot of animals can carry a lot of very nasty things i mean Look at armadillos running around with leopards. Yeah,
0: this is a good opportunity. Maybe for a future one of these episodes, we can talk about possums. But did you know that possums, most of them are naturally immune to rabies?
1: Man, they're, they're blamed for that a lot.
0: Right. It's just, you know, another thing. They look kind of gross sometimes. I think they're cute. But it's just another example of being afraid of something for really no reason. You know, once once you realize uh, they're not actually carrying all of these diseases and things, uh, there's not so much to worry about, right? Right.
1: How long do bats live for?
0: Bats? Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. When you think about small mammals, do you think they live for a long time or a short period of time? Short time. Right, Like mice and squirrels and things, right? Like a few years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at most. At most, that's what you would think. Bats, on the other hand, including the little brown bat, they can live for something like 35, 40 oh, years. Holy crap. Yeah. that That's an insane amount of time. But what's even cooler is...
3: Um, so one little bat that weighs less than an ounce can eat over a 1,000 insects every hour.
0: Really uh, making it a lot better to camp. Okay. One bat one single bat can eat 1,000 mosquitoes or mosquito-sized insects in a single hour one single bat eating that much let's say something like four hours a night over the course of that long lifespan you're talking upwards of 40 million insects in the lifetime of one bat
1: that's that's kind of like play a crucial
0: role in saving people's crops. Right. Even better, let's say you have a colony of 5,000 bats. That's 219 billion mosquitoes in a, in a lifetime.
1: That sounds like a good
0: percent of the world's mosquitoes. Did you know that due to the pest control ability of a bat, Bats are calculated to save farmers somewhere around $22 billion a year. That's going back to the Elon Musk thing from earlier. Elon Musk is worth something like $20 billion. Bats save more than the worth of Elon Musk for farmers a year. Just from pest control. That's not including any of the other multitude of things that bats are good for. like
3: They're actually really important pollinators in tropical areas. So tropical bats pollinate... Things like bananas, and mangoes, and figs, and cashew plants.
0: And are responsible for spreading over 95% of the seeds responsible for for rejuvenating the rainforest.
3: Uh, They also pollinate agave, so every time you drink some margarita, that is thanks to a bat somewhere.
0: Right. Think about a Bacardi bottle, it's got a bat on there. Without bats, we would have no tequila, no margaritas. What threats are bats facing?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, like many other species out there, um, they're facing a lot of threats depending on where they live in the world. Um, climate change is affecting bats.
0: Probably the biggest threat, um, just because it's so all-encompassing, right? It it, it changes the, the forest landscape, it changes... Uh, hibernation duration it changes the number and type of insects that are prevalent deforestation is one of the driving causes of climate change not all bats live in caves many live in trees or under leaves especially in the rainforest inside of other types of flowers all sorts of things Uh, without that habitat um, bats are on the decline
3: um in different parts of the world um Activities like guano mining or um, even hunting bats for bushmeat can be a problem. Um, But the biggest problem here in the United States is a fungus called white-nose syndrome.
0: One of the biggest threats, especially here in North America, is it was only first documented in North America back in 2007. And that was in the state of New York. Since then... It has made its way to 27 states and five provinces in Canada and has killed at least 5.7 million bats. And that number is rising. White Nose Syndrome, it's a fuzzy white growth. It's fungus that grows around the nose, you know, on the face of the bats. And essentially what will happen is for some reason it speeds up their metabolism so while they're in hibernation in, in caves, it's easy for all of this to grow because, while well, they're, they're hibernating, they're not grooming, right? They're not cleaning themselves because um, they're asleep. <laughs> uh, it brings up their metabolism, and then one of two things can happen. Either it causes them to burn through all of their calories, and they die of starvation while in hibernation, or it wakes them up. And when they wake up, they're hungry, they leave the cave looking for food and which is insects and it's winter and there are no bugs and if they don't die from the cold they die of hunger pretty much it's something like 90 to 100 percent mortality in bats and it's really really prevalent at these hibernation sites they're they're mammals they hibernate especially in caves and if they get this sometimes if if A researcher someone who's monitoring a cave you know finds it they can they can do something sometimes they can do something to remove the the growth from the face but it's a fungus so it's spread by spores which are very small and can accumulate a lot before they start really showing so even if you think you've gotten all of it off it may still appear later on because white nose syndrome is such a complicated issue and it impacts, like we said, 27 states and 5 Canadian provinces. We will include more information about that as well as several links um, in our blog posts associated with this podcast. Um, just to give you some more information. Try to imagine how different culture would be without bats. It's, it's hard to think about.
1: Yeah, they're part of Halloween... Part of the whole vampire thing. Who isn't into vampires now?
0: Right, right. There's 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 all sorts of stories and fables going back thousands of years. Well, take Batman. Batman. Like, how <laughs> how different would the world be if we didn't have Batman? Uh, not not that it would be crazy different or anything like that, but it's it's definitely you know that the character has had an influence on culture. If bats weren't around or didn't exist, we wouldn't have any of that. We no tequila. Uh, who knows if the rainforest would have would have lasted as long as it has? Um, the the world would be a different place, definitely a much buggier place. I think that a certain line from 2008's A Dark Knight probably could be representative of bats as well don't you
1: what's what's the line commissioner Uh.
0: gordon ending speech a silent guardian a watchful protector a dark night Uh it applies to bats so as i hope you've learned even though we're featuring bats as part of spooktober there's really nothing that's spooky about bats now you may be in your car, or on your lunch break, or cooking dinner, or on the toilet, thinking to yourself, nice try, Devon bats are so creepy. They move weird, they look creepy, and what about vampire bats, huh? What about them? Think about the children! One, douche, kind of. Two, I'm glad you bring that up. Because you're about to hear an interview with Dr. Marie Lissandra Zabita Mendoza about her research involving not one, but two bloodsuckers in an episode called Taste for Blood, nature's vampires. Hi, this is Devin, and I just have a quick disclaimer for anyone listening who may have a weak stomach. We chose a title for this episode that hopefully relays the theme already, but just in case, today's topic isn't for the squeamish or those prone to, you know, turkey vulture.
4: Wait, what? Did you just use turkey vulture as a verb?
0: Yeah, you know, because they can projectile vomit up to 10 feet. Why? Defensive vomiting? Why else? That explains
2: nothing. Maybe I can help explain.
0: Good idea. Richard, allow me to introduce you to Terry the Turkey Vulture.
4: Uh, seriously? Why are you always finding anthropomorphic animal guests?
0: Terry, care to explain the whole vomiting thing?
4: So, no explanation for me?
2: Sure, yeah. Basically, if I feel threatened, I'll puke in your face. Oh god. Yeah, in my stomach acid is some pretty harsh stuff on account of the fact that I can basically eat dead things for a living. So you wouldn't want to get that stuff in your eyes.
4: That sounds awful.
2: Are you threatening me? I swear I'll...
4: Richard, what's wrong with... Stop threatening her. I'm I'm not. I'm just saying it's it's gross.
2: He's raising his voice.
4: Alright,
0: you know what? Everyone calm down, okay?
2: Fine. Fine. Anyway... Like I was saying before, Richard started threatening me. I wasn't. It's like super soaker pepper spray, but it also comes in handy to just shed a few pounds so we can take off. We tend to gorge ourselves a bit, which means we have to wait a while to fly, which makes us pretty vulnerable. So we puke. It's like a plane dumping cargo.
4: Fascinating, right? I mean, yeah, but also really gross
2: are you threatening me no no you think that you can threaten me
4: what about that (coughs) no hey don't do please don't do that oh my god oh my god devin please (coughs) do something about oh my god oh my god
0: Devin. I'm Richard. And this is A Wildlife, a new podcast from the wildlife.blog about curiosity, discovery, and all things wild.
4: How do you want to get started? Do you just want to jump straight into it?
0: Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we can do that. <clears throat> well, okay, maybe let's just explain what we're doing here first.
4: Okay, sounds good. Last time, we did an episode busting bat myths as the first part of an intermittent series called Myth Understood.
0: Right, and if you heard that episode, you might remember that we very briefly mentioned some recently published research, and well, today we have an episode that is sort of a part two to that part of that last episode, but it also dives a little bit deeper into a topic that we both just really couldn't stop thinking about. So today, we have a story that takes us all the way from Copenhagen to the rainforest of South America.
4: From the belly of the beast to its excrement.
0: As we explore nature's vampires.
4: But these vampires are nowhere near Romania, right?
5: Yeah, nowhere near Romania.
0: (laughs) That is the voice of Marie Lissandra Zapita Mendoza, who recently finished her postdoc in Copenhagen, Denmark and whose recently published research on vampire bats is at the center of this story.
4: Just for clarification, where can vampire bats be found?
5: They are actually only found in, in, uh, from mid-Mexico down to South America. And this is the, one of the cool things about vampire bats, because even though bats are all over the world, Vampire bats can only be found in that region.
0: In all likelihood, you've never actually seen a vampire bat. Movies and television seem to always use another creepier looking species as a stand-in, much like how they tend to use hawk sounds for eagles, probably because eagle sounds aren't nearly as appealing.
5: <laughs>
0: but that's another story.
5: Anyway, the ca- the um, like the teeth, they are very characteristic. So you can, you can initially, I would say, differentiate them from the other bats.
0: They are small, brown, overall a pretty standard looking bat, you know, with beady eyes, triangular ears.
5: They so also have like special teeth.
0: Two small, sharp buck teeth and a flared out nose.
5: There are three species of vampire bats, and the three species of vampire bats, they look a little bit different. The one that we studied, the common vampire bat, is the ugliest one of the three.
4: (laughs) Yeah, bats definitely differ a lot on the cute scale, with some of them looking like mini-winged dogs, like fruit bats, and others looking like little demons, like wrinkle-faced bats. So, I know you have been on this kick, and don't get me wrong, but what is so interesting about them?
0: Well, because they are what are known as true obligate sanguivores.
5: That it survives solely off of blood That's obligates sanguivory.
4: Wait, wait, sanguivore, like uh, sanguinar vampiris is the name for uh, vampirism in the Elder School series. Right. But uh, why is that so important? I mean there are a lot of animals that eat or drink blood, like uh, ticks or mosquitoes, bed bugs, leeches.
0: Yeah but that's just it, vampire bats are mammals. all those other ones they're insects or arachnids or something else not mammals
5: and that's why the vampire bats are so special the more you
0: know as far as even other vertebrates that are obligate sanguivores well
5: in the basal part of the vertebrates there are the lampreys and they they actually in the first stage of their lives they they feed off filtering like whales and then they have a, a metamorphosis and they change completely and then they leave
4: off of blood only.
0: Richard, have you ever seen the mouth of a lamprey? Um, no. Why don't you pull one up real quick?
4: Okay, one second here.
0: Do, 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 not copyright infringement because I'm gonna change the tune.
4: Oh, holy Christ. Yeah. That looks like it's from a horror movie. Right? That makes me not want to go in the water.
0: Complete stuff of nightmares, right? Oh, by the way, we have those in Lake Superior.
4: What? That's not just like (laughs) deep in the ocean? Nope. That's, That's actually at a place where people swim all the time.
0: Yeah. They're an invasive species in the Great Lakes system. And the ocean.
4: Oh my god. Yeah. There's just so many teeth.
0: They survive mostly off of blood and other bodily fluids, but... They have been found with vertebrae and organs and all sorts of other fun stuff in their stomachs as well. So basically, they just latch onto the side of their host and live off of them like a parasite for really as long as they can.
5: And there are other birds, like the vampire finch, that sometimes it eat its blood, but it's not the only thing. It eats.
0: Wait, a bird? Yep, a bird. There are actually a few different kinds of birds that do this, but the one that she's mentioning here is the aptly named Vampire Finch. They live on two of the main islands in the Galapagos Island system. They're actually really closely related to another bird from that system called the Sharp Beaked Finch. And, you know, really they survive mostly on what you'd regularly expect a bird to eat. You know, insects and seeds and things like that but sometimes they'll go ahead and peck away like the flesh of a blue-footed booby or other birds and drink the blood that comes out.
4: That's just, that's so weird, I would have never expected a bird to drink blood.
0: And that's within all vertebrates. All vertebrates that drink blood. That's not just within mammals.
5: That's why the vampire bats are so special.
0: And the idea that a mammal can survive off of blood, that right there is astonishing in itself.
4: Well, why exactly is that?
5: Well, because there's not really much in it. (laughs) There's tons of water, and just a tiny percentage of it is actually nutrients, but it's mostly proteins, and if your diet is almost only proteins, then you may have problems with urea.
0: Urea is a colorless crystalline compound, the main nitrogenous waste product that results from breaking down protein in mammals, and it's excreted in urine. Then you know, it is blood, right? So it might contain some pathogens.
5: Mainly viral pathogens.
0: So you'd think that the whole idea of drinking blood from another creature would be incredibly dangerous.
4: And it's just gross. Just very unsanitary.
0: Right. And really, this was a whole point of research. To figure out how they're able to do this.
4: So... I know you're probably getting to it, but what exactly prompted her curiosity in Vampire Bats? I mean, she lives in Copenhagen, right? And Vampire Bats are a world away. Sure.
5: Yeah, it actually started a little bit funny. When I first came to to Denmark, to Copenhagen, I was an intern in the group of my later PhD supervisor, Tom Gilbert. And one of his projects at that time was... To identify which mammals are in a forest without a forest or jungle, um, without using camera traps for conservational studies or you know just to see which species are there.
0: You see, there's a lot of importance in knowing what animals live where, in relation to a lot of things, like policy making, conservation, uh, prioritization of efforts, basic ecological understanding, a a ton of things. And researchers are really always looking for new ways of doing this.
5: And the the way in which they were doing it was with leeches. Leeches?
0: Yeah. Leeches. So basically, leeches would be gathered from certain areas where they were hoping to examine the biodiversity, and they'd extract the blood because, well, leeches drink
4: blood, right? Oh, that's cool. So they used the blood that was in the leeches... And found the DNA to see what they were feeding on.
0: Right, and they sequenced the DNA looking for certain markers,
5: special pieces of DNA,
0: that could distinguish which mammalian species were living in the area through the lens of a leech.
5: It's a pretty smart method.
0: Then someone had the realization well, wait, leeches aren't the only animals here that drink blood. We've got vampire bats.
5: And so I was analyzing this data, but I was actually not really interested in it because I didn't want to see what they ate. I wanted to see why they ate what they ate.
0: And that's how the idea was born.
5: So I went to to Tom,
0: her supervisor,
5: and I told him, Tom, I want to study this. So I need you to get me The Vampire Vagino.
0: (laughs) And then he said,
5: Huh, yeah, sounds cool. All right, let's do it.
0: Then within a few days, he was contacting his collaborators and began this grassroots crowdsourced effort to begin...
5: The sequencing of the Vampire Vagino. He was really supporting, oh my love, oh my God. I love Tom. He's a really good supervisor.
4: That's pretty awesome. I I love the sort of uh, international team effort behind this. Right? Wait a second. But in order to sequence the genome, don't they need uh, some sort of biological sample? So, I mean, were they able to somehow, like, catch live bats or what?
0: Yeah, you know, you're totally right, but no captive bats, no. I mean, they already had portion sequence elsewhere, but.
4: Did they use more blood?
0: No, I mean, that would have been pretty difficult. Besides, the bigger question here sort of revolves around digestion. So, more importantly... Poop? Hoop.
5: We had to get some fecal samples of vampire bats and of bats with other diets and sequence the microbiome of the fecal samples. And so, the microbiome is all the the microbes that are in there. Well, the microbiota, technically speaking. Uh, The microbiota is all the microbes that are in there. And so, you sequence them and then you can see who they are and what they are doing there.
4: So... Like how we have a microbiome or all these microbes that live within us that help us digest certain things or help our immune response, vampire bats have the same thing. Exactly.
5: And so it was really difficult to get all these fecal samples from the different bats. It took me like a year and a half to get all the samples that I needed. Why
4: so long?
0: Well, they had to contact a lot of different collaborators around the world, and they had to wait a really long time to get those samples Partially because I had to get a lot of permits, like export permits for, well, poop. It's a biological sample, it could carry different diseases, who knows what.
5: Yeah, it, it, it was rather stressful. Oh yeah, and then after we got all the samples and we got the, all the sequencing, I had to set up all the pipelines for the analysis of, of the sequences and compare them and then make sense of the results.
4: So let me get this straight. They collected fecal matter from different types of bats to basically look at the microbiota and determine which of those was not like the other, hoping to see if vampire bats had a special set or something like that, right? Bingo. And what they'd find.
5: So when I was looking at the results, I thought, oh my god, this is very clear. It couldn't be clearer. (laughs) And that was very, very surprising.
0: And that is a complete rarity in science. Science isn't like you see it in the movies where it's this clean lab and things just happen and they work and fall into place almost immediately. No, more often than not, results don't line up or you find something that was unexpected. But this, this was one of those rare moments where it was different.
5: That's what what we wanted, and that's why we chose that model of a study. Because we thought, okay, if there's anything here, since this species has such an extreme weird diet, whatever that has to be there is going to be seen pretty clear.
4: What exactly did they see? The genes
0: of the bacteria and the microbiota were perfectly equipped for
4: handling an all-blood diet.
5: We were very happy. (laughs) Everything made sense.
4: So what was special about that bacteria?
5: Well, it, it provides some of the nutrients that the vampire bat needs that is lacking from the food.
0: It also helped against some of the waste products.
5: Well, it's not help against. It's more like help deal with. The, some of the products in the blood that you wouldn't want. For instance, there's, they have some genes that may help it deal with the free the iron. Actually, blood, blood by itself doesn't have much free iron ions, but after hemolysis...
0: Hemolysis, that's the disintegration of red blood cells with the release of hemoglobin.
5: It might be an issue. So that that was, for example, one of the ways.
0: Which got me thinking. You know how human immunities or antibodies can be transferred from the mom to the baby through milk?
4: Yeah, which is super awesome, by the way.
0: I know, right? Well, so, okay. Mother vampire bats. This is another one of those things that there was a disclaimer for because it's kind of gross sounding. Uh, they regurgitate blood for their babies while they're too young to hunt for themselves. So actually, you know what, side note, vampire bats in general, they are incredibly sweet because they are known to share meals with individuals in the roost that may be missed out on a meal one night by, well, you know, puking it up and then the other one can eat it. And then they usually end up returning the favor. It's gross, but also kind of sweet, right?
4: Fascinating to observe, like, such kindness in an animal species, but also really gross. I mean, I would not want vomited up blood for dinner myself.
0: Right. I mean, I will say, so let's say you're a vampire bat and you're being compassionate and you decide to throw up a little bit of blood for your friend. Okay. (laughs) Compassionate in a a vampire bat sense. And it doesn't return the favor for you later on, then you're pretty much going to get shunned if you ever go hungry again. Oof. Yeah. But anyway, my thought was, could mothers be seeding or priming the guts of their babies for a lifelong diet of blood by doing this?
4: Well, what did Mary have to say?
5: I do think that in whatever the vampire bat mom regurgitates to the baby, there, there must be some, some microbes there that serve to prime the gut of the baby vampire bat. And, God, I would have loved to have some of those regurgitated samples, but it was too hard just to get fecal samples. <laughs> um, but that would be a, a really nice study if, if somebody wants to take it up.
4: What is she doing now?
5: I'm actually now in the industry. <laughs> I moved out of academia now I'm in a company that produces starter cultures for fermented foods and I work in wine and cheese. <laughs> it's uh, metabolic modeling to, to try to identify the pathways in lactic acid bacteria that have to do with flavor formation. Uh, so yeah, I deviated quite a little bit from vampire bats. <laughs>
4: Something I still don't understand is where the whole vampire myth stems from in relation to bats if blood-drinking blats don't live anywhere near Europe. Oh, that?
0: Well, so, I did some digging, and it turns out, because I was wondering the same thing. Actually, we talked about this in the last episode, and we've talked about this other times. I was wondering the same thing. And it turns out that basically European explorers that were visiting South America... They heard stories about these bats that drank blood and they would see bites on the cattle or sometimes people that lived in the area would wake up with these bites and they would see the mark or something like that. So they took the story of these bats that drank blood and brought it back home with them. And pretty soon it was this idea that was being applied to all bats. People started thinking, well, maybe it's not just those bats, it's all bats that are doing this. And because the idea of being bit in the middle of the night and something drinking your blood is, well, it's kind of freaky. And people already were a little afraid of bats because of things like disease and things. They started to apply the idea that all bats drank blood, especially the really creepy looking bats. In fact, if you look at a lot of different bat species around the world that aren't anywhere near South America in either their genus part of their scientific name or the species part of their scientific name, you'll see the word vampiris, like vampire. And the only real connection there is that they're usually the creepier looking bats. They've got a more wrinkled face or creepier eyes or sharper teeth. Some of them though only eat fruit. Some of them only eat insects. None of them drink blood. But it's all been a misconception. So before we wrap up, I asked Marie... Is there anything you want people to know about bats?
5: And this is what she had to say. That they can actually be cute. (laughs) And that they don't deserve all this stigma that is attached to their names. So people should take a bit more care about them. And be less scared about them. Because for sure they are more scared about you than you are about them.
0: Well, that's all for this week. I hope you've enjoyed our little jaunt back in time and that maybe, just maybe, you've learned something pretty cool. Maybe next time you're drinking tequila with some friends who will give thanks to bats. Or maybe you'll be the office party's self-appointed, unasked-for bat expert. Who knows? Go batty. Special thanks to Liz Dengate and Dr. Marie Lissandres and Peter Mendoza, and our patrons Chris Trankel, Matt Capel, Megan Gariani, Andrea Lloyd, and Bridget Fitzgerald. You too can join that growing list of awesome people by becoming a one-time or member supporter at patreon.com slash thewildlife. This month, we're donating 5% of our patron contributions to Bat Conservation International. Check out the website and the episode notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, wherever you are, leave us a quick rating and a comment. It helps us to better understand our audience, what's working, and help our show be more easily findable by future wildlings. With that, have a spooky week.